Thanks for listening to the River in the Hills Weekly Sermon. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at www.riverinthehills.com. Let's pray. We yield ourselves to you right now, Holy Spirit. We say, kingdom of God come, will of God be done. Lord, we put aside our own thoughts, our own ideas, our own imaginations, and we say, come, fill us. We need you. We declare today that we need you as a people. We need you as a body, (laughs) as a body, we need you. We thank you, Lord, that you are faithful. You've proven time and time and time again your faithfulness to us, over us, around us, through us, in us. You've proven you are the faithful one. And yet today, we don't take any of that for granted. We don't assume or presume we say, come now, because we need you. Amen. And how many of you know that when I say we, I'm not speaking like a certain religious figure who says we and like is referring to himself, but in three. That's not what, that's not what my we is. My we is a collective we. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not we. <coughs> So this morning, as you can see already on the screen, I've um, actually, when, when Pastor asked me, I don't know how many weeks ago now it's been, if I would share, um, as has become my pattern, um, it's just yes, yes. Yeah, it's not, I got to pray about it, I got to think about it, let me pray about it, I'll get back to you, because I know that's kind of the Christian thing to do, right? Let me, let me pray about it, I'll get back to you. It's just yes. You know why? Because I trust him and I trust God in him. And so when he asks me, it's just, it's just yes. And it was partly yes, because immediately... I knew that this is what I was supposed to talk about, and I knew that because of something that had happened that I'll get to in a minute, Um, so don't rush me. Um, (laughs) Don't rush me. But um, I knew that, um, because it was personal, and I would expect that for all of us that are left in here, because the kids are gone, right? So for all of us that are left in here, I don't know what age you first experience fear. I suspect even as a child, you know, when you do something wrong (laughs) and you know you're going to get caught or found out, there's fear. So it's very early on in life that we experience fear and identify and know what fear is and what it produces. And, um, and so I, I, as I was just kind of before the Lord, um, like 
like after my yes, then the trepidation sets in, right? It's like, it's like, oh no, what did I say yes to? I got to stand up in front of, got to stand up in front of my family. But you're safe, so that makes it easy. But there's always this, because I take, because I take this, I mean, I realize it's, you know, it's 40 minutes out of your entire week. So in the grand scheme of thing, if you have a grand scheme of things, I don't know if someone can do the math that fast, or if you have a calculator, 40 minutes out of 128 hours does not represent a huge amount of your week. But I take it very seriously. I take this time, uh, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I always want to be careful that what I share is life-giving, not in any way, uh, you know, bringing any kind of condemnation, certainly not bringing any kind of fear, because the Lord knows there's enough of that. But I take it seriously, and so, and so, you know, I'm not really, <laughs> I'm not really a preacher. You know, I admire great preachers, admire our pastors. I love the word that they bring, but I've not really been trained as a preacher. So, even yesterday, as I was trying to put a trying to put a wrap on this, <laughs> and for the first time that I can remember, I got this. Alliteration. Everybody knows what an alliteration is, right? You went through. So, as I was thinking about how am I going to talk, how am I going to talk about this? I felt like the Lord said, and this may not be a big deal to you, but I just felt like He said, "What we're going to do tomorrow, we Todd, what we're going to do tomorrow regarding fear is we're going to explain, expose, and eradicate." That was His, and then. And then I didn't even realize, <clears throat> because at the end, and, and uh, Nate already did this, but at the end, there's going to be an opportunity for an exchange. So there was an, an additional E that he threw in there for us. So that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to explain it. And how many of you are thankful like I am? You know, the, the Bible doesn't shy away from tough subjects and tough matters. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the Bible goes right to them. And so I'm so thankful for what the Word has to say, and we're going to look at that in just a moment. Under the, uh, under the heading of explain, what I did, though, was I looked on my app under my Noah Webster's 1828 Dictionary. If you don't have Noah Webster's 1828 Dictionary on your phone, don't do it right now. Like Nate said this afternoon when you download your media app. But I encourage us, I encourage you to get the Noah Webster 1828 Dictionary app because it will show you what, coming up on 200 years ago, kind of what the definitions of words were then, and you'll be amazed at the number of scriptural references that you'll find in words that were used then. Kind of like Merriam-Webster's today, right? Yeah, no, it's not so much that. But, but um, so, I, so I took to 1828, it's just kind of what we do around our house. Um, so I took to the 1828, and, you know, fear is both can be both a noun and a verb. Okay, I, I, first of all, I'm not going to plumb the depths 
of fear today, okay? This is not going to be exhaustive by any means. There's a lot. But, but in, in, my, in looking this up, I realized fear can be both a noun and a verb. Under noun, um, uh, a defini- the part of the definition included a painful emotion or passion, excited by, not excited in a good way, but excited by an expectation of evil or the apprehension of impending danger. Fear expresses less apprehension than dread, and dread less than terror and fright. So it puts terror and fright in there together, and I want you to remember that, okay? That's, that's going to come into play later on. The force of this passion, beginning with the most moderate degree, may thus be expressed fear, dread, terror, and fright. There's a comma between terror and fright, but they really should be together. Terror and fright. Under the verb, it says to feel a painful apprehension, some impending evil, to be afraid, to consider, or expect with emotions of alarm or solicitude. We fear the approach of an enemy or of a storm. We have reason to fear punishment of our sins. Again, probably not a, dex- a definition you would find in a dictionary, Merriam-Webster dictionary today. But how many of us know, too, that <clears throat> because we're believers, or for those of us who are believers, that last part, that fear, the punishment of our sins, right? We deal with that, right? We deal with that. Under the, our sins are under the blood. Our past, present, and future sins as believers are under the blood because Jesus paid the price. So, <clears throat> so we have a couple of, of definitions. Again, I kind of want you to, that terror part, I want you to hold on to that because that's what they're saying is like as, it, as, it, as you know, fear progresses, and gets to terror and fright, and, and how many of you know that over the last few years, I was thinking about this, I was thinking about how my world changed in 2001, right? When the Twin Towers, and we realized that terrorists um, would, you know, there's nothing they wouldn't do. <laughs> there's nothing they wouldn't do to take us out, to take us down, and and, and, and then I was thinking about how, and I'm not going to go political at all, but I was thinking about how we've had a recent designation of parents who become involved in school board meetings uh, having been labeled as domestic terrorists, right? I mean, that's kind of, whoa. So talking, talk about trying to stir up or conjure up through words. So that's an inappropriate use of that, I would, I would uh, suggest. So, so with those couple of definitions, those explanations in mind, as, as I move to expose fear, the first the question that came to my mind, where did, where did fear come from, right? If we're going to expose it, where did it come from? That's helpful to know. And um, if you've heard me, talked before, uh, you may or may not know that I have um, an affinity for the Old Testament, and uh, especially Genesis. And, um, and so as I looked, the first um, uh, recorded reference in the Bible, and I'm a big fan of the law of first mention, right? So the first time something appears is very, is very important in Scripture. 
And so in Genesis 3, verses 7 through 10, and even though they're on the screen, I'm going to read them because these words that I read out of Scripture, these will be the most important things that I say. (laughs) So Genesis 3, 7 through 10, this is after Adam and Eve have eaten the fruit. It says, Then the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves apron-like girdles. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called Adam and said to him, Where are you? And Adam said, I heard the sound of you walking in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. So can you put that slide up there with the, um, that slide with the, yeah, so this is a rare photograph um, (laughs) that was actually taken on that day. Yeah. Yeah, very rare. So, a couple of things when I looked at that. Number one, I thought, well, if they were afraid, why didn't they get in that little green car at the bottom and drive away? But that's not what they did. They didn't do that. <laughs> but then more seriously, I thought, you know, isn't that oftentimes a depiction? You see how big the serpent is in that uh, thing? See how big, how much bigger he is than them? How many know that when God made Adam and Eve, he gave them dominion over everything, right? They were were large and in charge, right, as we say, right? They were large. But in that picture there, the serpent was large. And so, um, so they were afraid and they hid. And how many of us know that many times when fear grips us. Isn't that kind of our response? We hide. We want to hide. We want to kind of pull the covers over our head and just, you know, pretend like it's not really happening around us when it is. But that's what they attempted to do. But, you know, as I was kind of pondering these few verses here, I thought, is God amazing or what? You know, even though he, of course, knew what had happened, didn't keep him from calling out, did it? Hmm? Didn't keep him from calling out, from wanting. And, 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 I, and I know we're not supposed to add or take away from the Scripture, so I, don't, I want to be careful not to do that here. But I just began speculating a little bit about, I wonder, what would, I wonder how differently this had gone if when God called and said, where are you? If Adam had said, you know, God, we really, we, not the woman, (laughs) you know, God, we really messed up. We messed up. I know you told us. I know you gave us this instruction for our benefit, but we messed up. And I suspect that, 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 you know, if he, because 
heretofore, I wrote that word in my notes actually, heretofore. <laughs> the fall ushered in an emotion not heretofore experienced or understood. I wonder if in that, if, if, if that had been the case and, and, and instead of being afraid and hiding, if, if there had been a repentance, what the difference would have been. Now, you know, I was actually sitting, when I was sitting in my seat over there a moment ago, and, uh, and, and first uh, Pastor Glenn called for a renunciation or an abandonment of the little foxes, and then Nate just went ahead and called for strongholds to be broken. I thought, well, you know, if that's where this is going, there's probably a whole lot less need for me to teach on this. Because, <laughs> you know, when we renounce and break agreement and break covenant and break our alignment with those things in our lives that are, shouldn't be there in the first place, how many of you know that instead of fear, boldness and courage and those types of things arise, don't they? Huh? Isn't that what is it? And I thought, I'm looking, I'm looking at a lineup of people right now that are a whole lot less afraid than they were before they came up here. So, so, I, and I, so I, I appreciate each and every one that responded to that, uh, to that appeal this morning. And if, you are, and, 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 if, and if you're not aware, you are emboldened and you are encouraged and you are empowered because it takes courage and boldness and strength even to walk down to the front when the man or woman of God says, come and, and break that alignment, break that agreement. That takes courage, and that casts out fear. So, so, so that's kind of where fear came. So fear came from disobedience, right? Adam and Eve uh, knew that they weren't to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They did. And so that's how it entered in. Now, how does fear impact us? Well, I have a couple of uh, verses. The first one is Job 3.23. And Job says, Why is the light of day given to a man whose way is hidden and whom God has hedged in? For my groaning comes at the sight of my food and my cries of despair are poured out like water. For the thing which I greatly fear comes upon me, and that of which I am afraid has come upon me. I am not at ease, nor am I quiet, I, and I am not at rest, and yet trouble still comes upon me. So, Job uttered these words of despair after he had received news that his children had been slaughtered, his uh, his livelihood, for all intents and purposes, his livestock. He was a very wealthy man. All of that had been taken away from him. And I thought this was interesting, as I, again, as I was reviewing this, because this is recorded in verse 25. He says, the thing I greatly fear comes upon me. And I was thinking about how, you know, fear is such a, it's such a lie, it's such a deception, because many times, in Job's case, and I'm always cautious about using verses this early in Job, 
You know, because Job was in, he didn't have a really good revelation of God early in the book, right? And certainly none of his friends had a good revelation of God. And so I'm always leery about using verses until post, like post-revelation, right? Because this is true that Job said this, but it's not necessarily truth with a capital T, you know what I'm saying? Something can be true, but not necessarily be the truth. And so, and so, and so Job, so he's saying, the thing which I greatly fear comes upon me. And I, and I was just thinking, you know, there are, there are times when we can, actually, we can actually invite, and that's what I wrote, there are, there are things that we can invite, circumstances, situation, or experiences that we're afraid. Now, um, I'll just make a shameless plug here uh, for not watching horror movies. If you watch horror movies, then I'm making a shameless plug because I think anything that frightens us or stirs our heart to terror or fearfulness, <laughs> I mean, I guess it's like, you know, eating, eating four Big Macs on your way to the gym. You know, it's kind of like, disconnect, you know, disconnect. Yeah, so, so fear can actually um, invite some things that we don't want in our lives. And, there's a, and, there was a, and there was a passage that I explored also in Genesis 12, verses 10 through 13. <laughs> Abraham was a man of great faith, right? He's called God's friend. But there's an account, there's a record here in Genesis 12, starting in verse 10. It says, there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live temporarily, for the famine in the land was oppressive, intense, and grievous. And when he was about to enter into Egypt, he said to Sarah, his wife, I know that you are beautiful to behold. So when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. They will kill me, but they will let you live. Say, I beg of you that you are my sister so that it may go well with me for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. Good thing Abram wasn't married to my Sarah. <laughs> Good thing. She'd have been like, dude, you are on your own. I am not lying for you. But that's what he did. That's what he did. Now, it's true that you know, we're very early in history here, so they were, they were children of different mothers, right? Is that right? Did I got that right? Yeah. So they, they were, she was a half-sister, but they were living together as man and wife. But fear, right? Fear had gripped Abram in this situation, and so he actually encouraged his wife to lie for him. And can you see that that's another byproduct or fruit or result of what fear does when fear grips our heart? It, it gives us what it does. I'll just, I'll just break it down in case you haven't already. Fear allows us, gives us the opportunity to justify, to justify half-truths 
and even outright lies. Because we think if I tell the truth, right, and God has this great promise on my life, and I'm going to have all these generations, and, and if I die, then I can't fulfill God's plan. So what in this particular case, what I felt was, and the rest of that slide says, that fear causes us to doubt the protection slash provision of God. I want to encourage you that, and I've seen, this, I've seen this in my own life, that when I tell the truth, right, when I am scared to tell the truth, but tell the truth, I've seen the protection and the provision of God manifest. But I can assure you that if you hedge your bets... <laughs> If you hedge your bets and you make, and you make room for half-truths and outright lies, then you kind of, God just, I mean, he has to. He just kind of has to take his hand of protection and provision away. And again, it's, all, it's, it's just, it's fear-based, right? It's fear-based. So let's not do that. Let's not do that. The next uh, example I would like to, for us to see in Exodus 14, and this is a pretty serious um, example in Scripture. This is immediately after the children of Israel. God has delivered them miraculously, okay? He slew all the firstborn in Egypt, all the firstborn males, even the firstborn of the cattle he slew to deliver them. And now they're out in the desert. They've been traveling, and they're at the Red Sea. And they're stopped. And there's the Red Sea. And then there's Pharaoh's army coming in behind them, bearing down, right? Because God had hardened Pharaoh's heart. And here's an exchange <laughs> starting in verse 10. When Pharaoh drew near, the Israelites looked up, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. And the Israelites were exceedingly frightened and cried out to the Lord. And they said to Moses, and I, I was going to try to do my best Jewish voice, but I figured I'd leave that um, in reserve. <laughs> Didn't we tell you there was... Didn't we tell you any... And they said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you treated us this way and brought us out of Egypt? Did we not tell you in Egypt, let us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And then here's, here's Moshe, right? Here's Moshe. Moses told the people, Fear not. Fear not. Stand still. And I love the Amplified because in the parentheses it says, firm, confident, undismayed, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians you have seen today, you shall never see again. Fear not, though. He led with fear not. I love that. Fear not. So fear has no part 
has no place, has no room in us as believers. But so lest you think that um, because <laughs> I'm the one up here talking to you about this, that I've mastered this, okay? So here's, um, so here's a story. This happened, and this is part of the reason I knew that I was going to talk about this is because this thing had already happened to me, right? And it involves uh, a phishing email that I got. And uh, so I was, I, was, I was in a waiting room at an appointment. Had a couple minutes, and I thought, well, I'll just check my emails real quick because I get a lot of emails. And so I saw this email, an unread email, said Amazon. Well, I buy things from Amazon, and I think I might have just purchased something for Sarah from Amazon. And I thought, oh, okay, so this is tough. And I opened it up. I opened up the email, and it says, congratulations, your purchase has shipped. And when I scrolled down through there, it was a $5,500, I didn't buy that for you, by the way. It was a $5,500 laptop. And I was like, yeah, but I didn't buy a laptop. I've never, I, didn't, I didn't do that. And so you want to guess what gripped my heart? I thought, okay, one of two things, is, one of two things has happened here. Because um, my company gives me a credit card, and then Sarah and I have our own card. And I thought, okay, either somebody hacked our, my work ac account and bought a $5,500 laptop on my work account, which I was like, okay, ABC's a big company. We'll get this squared away. I'm not too worried. But if it's Todd and Sarah's account, that's going to leave a mark. And so, and so, and so, and all this while I'm, I'm waiting in the waiting room, right? And so you can imagine my thoughts just start, my head just started going all kind of places about, oh my. Well, and, and it said it was shipping to North Carolina. And we had been in North Carolina like a couple weeks earlier on vacation. I was like, Todd, you probably, somebody probably got a hold of your info while you were down there. And this is just going to take a really, really long time to get squared away. This is going to be bad. It's going to be bad. And, um, and so I got off into fear. I really, I promise you, I did. And, and so much so that, um, that as I as, after I left the appointment and I was trying to resolve this, I was, like, trying to send some emails, and I was, I was driving, and I was trying to send these <laughs> emails. I was doing it. I was like, I got to get this taken care of right now. It's got to get taken care of right now because this is bad. This is bad. And you know, and you know, when I got... I can't. I think it was probably like the next day, when I was looking at this email on my computer at work, because this screen is pretty small. Like I got these nice size monitors at my office, and when I was looking, I was like, I there were there were misspellings and grammatical errors, and it was obvious to me that this was so. So my company, because they want us to be vigilant regarding clicking on certain links in emails, they will test us to send, and they will send out these, they're not really phishing emails, they're like fake phishing emails, right, to see how we respond to them. Well, I took the bait on that one. <laughs> Hook, line, sinker, took the bait on that one. And, 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 and 
but you know, I had already gone home after my appointment. I changed my password on my Amazon account. I put a two-step verification in there. I was like, you know, I just thought bad things were coming down the pike. Now, I, tell, I share that story, and I was thinking, you know, Todd, that story is so, that story pales. I mean, Israel was facing an existential threat, right? I mean, if God hadn't come through, they're getting shoved into the sea without the sea being parted, right? And I thought, that is so, your, your story, Todd, is so silly in comparison to theirs. But, you know, the truth is, if fear grips us, then, and the note I made here was, we say things and act in ways unbecoming that expose our lack. Let's be real, right? Expose our lack of faith and trust in God's goodness. You know, one of the songs we were singing up here today was talking about God's goodness. He's only good all the time. <laughs> He's only good all the time. Um, and so, so I, I, I just I share that. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna just skip this. Um, I'm gonna skip this last story because I can see that time is moving along. Because what I really want to get to is the eradication part, right? That's that's the best part. As believers, I have, we have the biblical foundation to reject and dismiss fear. So if you can put um, 2 Timothy, I'm sorry to mess you up with the slides, son. I know I didn't use them. 2 Timothy 1, 7 and 8. I love this one. I suspect we all, if we ha don't have it memorized, we're all familiar with it, right? For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or cowardice or fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and love and of sound judgment and personal discipline, abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. I will confess I was not calm, well-balanced, and self-controlled in my... And check this out. I had to put verse 8 in here. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord or about me, his prisoner, but with me, take, mm, take your share of suffering for the gospel. Continue to preach regardless of circumstance in accordance with the power of God, for his power is invincible. And when I, was, when I, when I, when I finally read past verse 7, because I'm like a lot of you, you know, I only read verse 7, <laughs> right? But when I read past verse 7, and it said, do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord or about me as prisoner, but with me, take your share of suffering for the gospel. I thought, you know, no wonder we want the paid clergy to be the ones who do all the witnessing. No wonder, because we want them to be the ones that take their share of suffering for the gospel, right? But that ain't what the verse says. Folks, with me, take your, Todd, take your share of suffering for the gospel. And I thought, wow, that's, because that's right in there with verse 7. We can't really separate those things. But I love that, that Paul is admonishing his son Timothy, and I'm admonishing all of us, that when we eradicate fear, that we, in a healthy way, we don't go out looking for ways to bring suffering into our lives. But we realize that it's 
going to be a natural consequence of sharing the truth of God's love with people. So neither should we think that something is wrong because that's what the enemy does, right? And so I want us to just be reminded that there is a verse 8 after verse 7. <laughs> and when we say verse 7, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. And yes, when I share the gospel, there could be, there could be some suffering involved. And you know what? God, you're with me even in that. You're with me in that. And then, and then 1 John 4.18. You got to love 1 John 4.18, right? It says, there is no fear in love, right? Anybody remember Kyle's message from a couple of weeks ago? 1 Corinthians 13, God's love. Perfect love because God's love is perfect. There is no fear in love. Dread does not exist. But full-grown, complete, perfect love turns fear out of doors and expels every trace. Is it up there? Expels every trace of terror. Is that up there on the... Oh, I'm sorry. Well, anyway, this is out of this Amplified Bible. That could be another Amplified Bible. But anyway, it, it, it says that uh, turns fear out of doors and expels every trace of terror. So remember, early on I said I want you to remember that terror part because God's love, when we embrace his perfect love and we allow his love, maybe that's a better way, we allow his perfect love to embrace us, to encounter us, to overshadow every circumstance, every situation. And while I realized that, you know, my email phishing story might have been a little silly and, and, and kind of inconsequential in the grand scheme of things, I know this morning that there are folks in here and there are, there are health concerns that can bring fear. There are relational concerns that can bring fear. There are financial concerns. That there, certainly there are political things going on in our world today where the enemy wants to terrorize us. And we have to, or we get to, decide what are we, what, what's going to be our greatest influence. Is it going to be what we see in the news, what we read, what we hear? Or is it going to be the truth of God's word? Because there is no fear in love. There's no fear in love. And so as part of that, that exchange, I know many of you all have been down here already once today, but I really, but I really felt in my, in my heart as I was preparing this that I wanted to offer an opportunity at the conclusion of my time today that, and maybe now would be a good time for us to stand because that'll make it easier and maybe the worship team should come back up. Now's probably a good time for that, for them to. Because this way, if you're standing and you do want to move, it makes it easier, right? All you have to do is start, right? Not, you don't have to stand up and then start. You just have to And I love that exchange slide, by the way. I love that. Because what we're exchanging this morning 
what's on offer is just like salvation, right? Where we exchange, I exchange my willful disobedience, my rebellion, my hiding out, like in Genesis 3. Um, I exchange all that. I exchange all my fear, everything that, that could be encapsulated in fear. I exchange that for, <laughs> as Graham Cook would say, an upgrade, right? An upgrade, an upgrade in God's love. Wow. Who, who, who could use an upgrade in love today? Anybody could use an upgrade in love? Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I'm there, I'm with you. I'm with you. I might come down here and just stand with you this morning. And so if you feel like that's you this morning, and, 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 and just in the, you know, in the solemnity of the moment, if you would say, you know, as I listen to what you're saying, and again, this is not meant to be comprehensive, exhaustive discussion of fear this morning, because certainly there's a healthy fear, right? The fear of the Lord, Proverbs 1-7 tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, so that's an appropriate fear. The Lord... I just bless your people this morning. And if you're, if you're out here, this, if you're standing up already this morning and you say, you know, I see how fear has kind of impacted my life to the point where um, um, I either doubt God's goodness, maybe not, I didn't want to say that to myself. <laughs> you know, I didn't want to admit that, but, but, but it's true. I've allowed fear, and I don't, and I, and I, and I'm going to tell you that you don't have to leave here this morning with fear where you don't want it. It's going to be, it's going to be your choice. It's going to be my choice. It's going to be our choice. But I'm extending to you an opportunity this morning. And if you say, after hearing what you have to say, Todd, I'd, I'd like to exchange my fear for his love. If you just want to come down this morning, I just invite you, I encourage you, I even challenge you to, 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 to lay down, let's lay down our fears, let's lay them at this altar today. God, I just thank you. I thank you this morning, God. I thank you this morning that you are good all the time. You've never not been good. You've never not been good, God. And I thank you for each heart, each life, each household, each destiny, because I believe destinies even are being changed here this morning as you go forth in love, not controlled, not influenced by fear. And yes, Lord, we do understand that as we fear you, as we fear your, your awesomeness, Lord, that's a clean, that's a healthy that's a life-giving fear, not a life-depleting fear, Lord. But we lay down every, every fear that the enemy, who would go about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, we laid every one of those down. And Lord, I thank you for every person here this morning that by an act of their own volition, Lord, by their steps is saying, I'm done with fear. I'm over fear. Fear, you are, fear, you are out. Fear, be gone. Maybe we could just say that even together. Say, fear, be gone. Fear, be gone.
be gone in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Not as some kind of positive declaration out of my, but in Jesus' name, Lord, I decree and declare over every person here, fear be gone. Lord, I ask you even today, Father, to reveal yourself. Yes, Lord, even from the youngest to the oldest, Lord, reveal yourself, your heart of love, your heart of courage and strength, Father, in each person here today. As we go forth, change, yes, Jesus, changed by your blood, changed, changed because you live forever. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. To download the notes and slides for this message, visit our website, riverinthehills.com. If you would like to partner with us in moving God's heart and changing the world, please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and share this episode with a friend.